No, that's not Ed Sheeran, in case you were wondering. His name is Jason. He's a guest worship leader here. He's from Greenwood. But happy Valentine's Day. It's tomorrow. That's our public service announcement for all you that have fear in your eyes right now. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at the Ridge. I'm so glad that we're able to gather together today. And today is kind of a kind of a special day. It's kind of a unique day here at the Ridge because we're going to be talking a lot about why in the world do we do some of the things that we do here, like even kind of having an opener on Valentine's Day that's about love because it's relevant and makes people sing. I saw you guys singing along, some of you. Some of you are like, what in the world is this? But some of you had knew every word. I had never heard that before because I'm like 95 years old. But I'm so glad that we're here. Now, we are finishing up. This is the last week of our series that we've been calling Search Engine. And we've been talking about some of these big, maybe philosophical questions, like how can we believe the Bible, or why do bad things happen to good people, or kind of reconciling Christianity and science. We've been talking about some of those types of things. And today, we're going to be asking a question that maybe a lot of us have asked before. Maybe we don't even know that we have the question, but we kind of do ask the question. So I want you to imagine just for a second that you've never been here before. Now, some of you don't have to imagine at all. This is your first time, and I'm so glad that you're here. Like, I think God brought you here today because of what we're talking about today. But imagine you just haven't been to church ever or a really long time, and you walk in, or maybe you kind of log in online, and, you, and you're interacting, and you're thinking some things. You're like, okay, they said that, and that was weird, and they told me to stand up, and they told me to sit down, and then they did this thing with like a juice and a cracker and a snack in the middle of the service. That's kind of weird, and, and there are all these things that you get out into the car, and then you say the question that a lot of us say when it comes to things with church. That was weird. Like, why do they do that? Why are Christians so weird? And that's the question that we're going to be talking about today, is why are Christians so weird? And the way that we're going to be answering that question is really by answering the question, why do we do what we do here at the Ridge? There's a lot of things that we do here that you might have some questions about. Here's an example. This is something that we do every single week here at the Ridge. We say, if you're new, we want you to text hello to 812-408-1188. It's a way that we can get to know you and you can get to know us a little bit. Why in the world do we say that every single week? We say it so much, I have that number memorized, 812-408-1188. Here recently, I had to give my number for like a notification and I almost gave 812-408-1188. My number doesn't even start with the same area code. But I still, I, I, I think our team here probably gets some notifications like buy one, get one free from Domino's because I've signed up for that. And probably all of my text notifications for Amazon, they're like, oh, Adam's about to get a package again. So why do we do that? Why do we say text to load at 812-408-1188? And no, it is not so we can sell your information to Visa or for a car warranty. They've already got your number, I know. But why do we do that? Well, we really want people to be known and to belong. And so one reason that we do that is just helps us to know who you are and that you're here. But another reason is it helps you 
have the information that maybe you want or you have some questions. So we send some information that you say you want, like Celebrate Recovery or about information about our student ministries that are our winter retreat right now, about our app, about Ridge Kids and Ridge 56, and all these things that we do here, these ministries that we have at the Ridge. That is how you can start to get some more information just for you. So that's why we do it. We just want you to feel welcomed. We want you to belong. We want to know that you're here. So we say it every single week because a guest is here for the first time every single week. So it's not necessarily for the people who have been around forever. 812-408-1188. We should have a jingle for it, I think. We'll come up with that. I'll work on it. Here's another thing that we talk about every single week. We talk about giving. And the reason that we talk about the three ways to give, the three ways to give are you can give on our app, you can give online at theridge.org slash give. Those are super easy and safe ways to do that. And there are drop boxes as you walk out of kind of this space on a Sunday morning. Why would we risk talking about giving every week? Because you've probably heard the jokes about churches only caring about money. Like, it's so greedy. Why in the world would we bring this up every single week? Two reasons, a practical reason and a spiritual reason. Here's the practical reason. I don't know if you're like me or not, but I forget things all the time. And it's just good to have a reminder. So I listen to podcasts and sometimes like they say, hey, sign up for this thing. And I'm like, this takes like the 22nd time to remember, oh, I I can do that. I can actually participate in that, or I can actually give, or here's my reminder to go about doing that. That's the practical reason. Here's the spiritual reason. Our relationship with God and money sometimes gets confused. And it's really important for us to remember that everything that God gives us, we should be thankful for. We're actually reliant on God. Money is a big part of our lives, and it's actually a big part of our faith. So we're going to be unapologetic about talking about it because we think that it's so important to all of our relationship with Jesus. And there's a guiding principle, really, under everything that we do here at The Ridge. Here here it is. It's our vision. It's to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. Now, if you've been around here for a while, you've probably heard us talking about that. It's a great reminder. And if you haven't been here, maybe this is your first time you are a guest. What an amazing day to think about. What does it really mean? What is church really for? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Why do we do what we do? So why do we text hello? Well, really, at the end of the day, it's to do whatever it takes to reach our community, make people feel comfortable for Christ. Why do we have an opener like we did? It's to be relevant and to be engaging and hopefully remind you to get the flowers or the gift. Fellas, do it. Even if they say don't do it, do it. I'm serious. You got to get your phone out and do it right now. Okay. But why do we do those things? It's really, at the end of the day, we want people to feel welcome. We want people to feel comfortable. We want them to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. So we're going to be talking about a lot of those types of things today. We're going to be talking about, like, why do we take communion? What is that? Why is that important? Why do we do that here at the Ridge? So we're going to be talking about that. So if you're at home, I'd encourage you right now, go get some bread or some juice, whatever kind of there with you. If you're here in person, it's there kind of at, you know, in the seat in front of you or by the chair next to you on the floor. We'll, we'll deal with that here in a second. But why do we do that? Why do we sing? Why do we have baptisms? We're going to kind of go through some of those big questions that we might have about why we do what we do here at The Ridge. And so the next one we're going to talk about is 
is one that like sometimes we have people stand up when we sing and then sit down. And sometimes it's like stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. Like, what, what are we doing? Why are we doing that? Like, how does that kind of fit in to all of these things? So that's the answer that we're, we're going to give here in just a second to the question, why do we sing here at all? Why do we use music and singing so much at church? That's a great question. And in reading about the history of the church, we learn that some of the world's greatest artists, not just musical ones, were inspired to create for God. Art in various forms has a way of pointing us to the ultimate creator. And in the Bible, when we study the way that believers worshiped, we know that they often used music. Scripture even records some of the songs or psalms that they used to express their worship when they gathered together as a group, and then also at times just individually. One of the earliest mentions of musical instruments being used is actually at the very end of the story of the parting of the Red Sea, which is in the book of Exodus, when God miraculously freed the Israelites from the Egyptians. And it was by a lady, actually, named Miriam, Moses' sister. Their worship was a response to the mighty power that they had just witnessed when God parted the Red Sea. It's found in Exodus 14, verse 31. They were filled with awe, and they put their faith in the Lord. And Moses and Miriam led them in a song. Throughout scripture, there's mention of several kinds of horns and stringed instruments as well. And in the Bible, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 19, we are instructed by the Apostle Paul to sing psalms, hymns, and other spiritual songs, making music in our hearts and giving thanks for everything that God has done for us through Jesus. There's something really special about coming together as a church family and declaring His goodness and His promises through music and collectively inviting the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts as we gather in worship. It strengthens us individually and as a church family. It's an opportunity to remember all that God has done for us by simply putting Him back in His rightful place as the only one worthy of our worship. And here at The Ridge, we love using our talents and gifts to serve in this way. There are many, many volunteers, and not just musicians and singers, that use their gifts so that we can corporately sing together on a Sunday morning, but also so that we can create an environment where you can invite a friend and know that they will experience music that is done with excellence and in a positive way. Music can speak to the heart in a way that sometimes our words can't. So sometimes you will see us use music to set up a topic, ask questions, express our doubts or our fears, but ultimately to express love, the love that God has for us and then the love that we respond back with to Him. We believe God shows up when we worship and that He can use music to open up our hearts to whatever it is that He wants to reveal to each of us. Communion is a chance for us to celebrate, to reflect and respond to who Jesus is and what he's doing in our lives. It's all about Jesus. Uh, communion isn't something that saves us. Actually, this is something that's symbolic. It's an outward expression of an inward change that Jesus has already accomplished in our hearts. See, Jesus is the one who came up with what we call communion. and He did it at the Last Supper. This is right before Jesus is about to be crucified and he's with his disciples and they're in an upper room of a house and they're having dinner together. And then it gets kind of weird. Uh, so this is from Luke chapter 22 starting in verse 17. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took another cup of wine. and He said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. 
I'm sure that that felt intense and weird, maybe even a little bit confusing for the disciples when Jesus did that. So if that's what you're feeling, hey, I get it. But what Jesus is doing is he's telling them, hey, this bread, this wine, these are now symbols. When you do this, when you take what we call communion, I want you to remember me. I want you to remember my sacrifice for you. This bread, this bread is symbolic of my body. My body is about to be broken for you. Now they didn't necessarily know this, but he was talking about the cross. Jesus' body was broken beyond recognition. His blood was poured out as a sacrifice. And that's dark and that's heavy, but it's also honest. Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice. He lived a life that was perfect and then he died a death he didn't deserve so that we could have a relationship with God that starts now and lasts forever. He did that for his disciples, he did that for us. And so communion is what we do to remember that. See, Jesus said, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So that's what we get to do. We take communion, we're gonna take symbols, just like the ones he used, bread and juice. Uh, they don't save us, they don't change us. Jesus does both of those. But we do it to remember him. We wanna celebrate, we wanna reflect, and then we wanna respond. We wanna celebrate with gratitude. See, the cross is somber and it's heavy, and communion is somber and heavy. And, hey, what Jesus did changed the world, it changed my life, maybe it's changed yours. And we want to celebrate that on the cross, Jesus made a new way of life possible, a life with God. We also want to reflect, because that sacrifice that we get to celebrate, it did come at a great cost. Jesus' body was broken beyond recognition. There was pain, and there was injustice, because he didn't deserve it. We want to remember that. We want to reflect on it. We don't ever want to take it for granted, but instead, we want to take communion as also a time to slow down, to reflect, to experience a sense of gratitude for what Jesus did. And then we want to respond. See, Jesus meets us where we are, but he loves us enough that he doesn't leave us there. Communion can be a time for us to grow and to take our next steps. Maybe you're praying, and as you take communion, you're asking God, hey God, what do I do next? Maybe it's with a big decision in life. Maybe it's with a little decision for the day. But we want to slow down. We want to invite God into that conversation. Jesus loves you so much, he didn't just die for you. He loves you so much that he cares about how you live today, and how you live this week. We want to respond to who he is and what he's doing, what he's prompting in our hearts. Today, we're going to have a chance to take communion together. If you're in the room with us in person, we've got these. They're prepackaged. There's a little wafer on top. There's juice on the bottom. And it's symbolizing the bread and the wine. If you're with us online, take whatever you have near you. Again, this is symbolic. This isn't the most important part. What Jesus did and what your heart is doing in response, that is. We're gonna sing a song together. We're gonna be talking about God. I wanna take a moment for you, you personally, to celebrate, to reflect, and then to respond. And then when you're ready, take the bread, take the juice, and do it with gratitude. I think it's awesome, actually, that we even have you know something as little as a message bumper. We have these reasons for why we do it. It helps us get ready, helps to focus us, it helps to transition. Um, it also helps me to make sure that things are all buttoned and zipped in the correct way, and I check my teeth sometimes. So then we do that under darkness, though, so I feel better about it. You might notice it, but I feel better about it. But you're here today, and hopefully you're learning a few things that 
that we do here and why we do them at the Ridge. We've talked about all sorts of things. We can't cover all the questions that somebody might have, but during this time, this time would normally be like a teaching time or a message time. And normally we talk about 28 minutes. I'm not going to talk for another 28 minutes. Don't worry. I see the fear in your eyes. It's all right. But we're going to answer a few questions that have to do with, you know, this kind of time that we do. Really, here's the question I want to answer. Why do we teach like we do. And there's nothing like answering the question of the thing that you're doing. Like some of the most fear-filled times for me, like I teach maybe about prayer. And then at the end of the message, we are about to pray. And I have this like, oh my goodness, we just talked about it. And everybody's going to know, you know, everybody listened. Okay. Half of you are going to know because half of you listened to what we were talking about. I can see more up here than you think I can, by the way. But why do we teach like we do? You know, why do we go about thinking about things like we do? So here's a, here's a verse. It's a simple verse. It's a short verse. It's in the Gospel of Mark. That's kind of in the second half of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it's about the life and ministry of Jesus. This is what it says. This is Mark 16. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. That good news there, the fancy word for that is gospel. It's just kind of about Jesus and what he came here to do. So we exist as a church to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. We've talked about that a little bit. And this verse is really just another way of saying it. We want to go We want to leave kind of our comfort zone. We go into different communities, literal communities, like different towns and cities, and then different communities that we're a part of, you know, work and home and school, those type of communities. So we want to go and we want to talk about the good news of Jesus. And is there more to it? Absolutely. Yes, there's more to why we teach and why we do the things that we do here. But at the end of the day, this is really what we're trying to do. Every single week, we want to point people towards Jesus, and we want to help people maybe take their spiritual next step. So here's a quick grid that we use, just kind of something that we think about every single week as we prepare to teach. So here here are kind of three things. Here's the first one. We want to be correct and not like, we're right, you're wrong, not like that type of correct. We just want to put some thought, some study, some energy into making sure that we're doing our very best to communicate God's truth, not our own truth, not our own baggage that we bring into it, but God's truth. So if we aren't correct, like if we aren't being honest, we aren't being accurate, if we're not being true in the spiritual sense, it's kind of dangerous. Like we're lying, we're leading people astray. I take that super seriously. So we try really, really hard to be correct, to put some thought into what we're saying, to honor God with what we're saying. So that's the first one. Here's the second one. We also want to be clear because it's not quite enough just to be correct here's what I mean. Like if we said, here's the answer, but nobody understood what in the world we were talking about. We used maybe words that nobody understood, or we made people feel like you had to go get like a Bible degree from some fancy place to be able to understand the Bible. No, that's no good. The reality is we want to be correct, but we also want to be incredibly clear. And my deep hope is that we are able to make some complex things a little simpler, not because we're awesome or we have it all figured out, but because I truly believe it is possible for us to understand the things of God or the things that are in the Bible. It's possible for us to grow. It's possible for us to believe. It's possible for us to change if things are clear. So we put energy into being correct 
and being clear. And here's the third one. It has to start with a C because that's just some baggage that I have. I think in like, you know, alliteration all the time. It's a problem. I should probably talk to somebody about it. That's fair. But here's the third one. We want to be compelling. And this is a doozy. This is a big deal. And this kind of builds on each other, right? Because if we're correct, but nobody understands what we're talking about, that's no good. And if we're correct and clear and nobody does anything about it, that's no good. And so really, we think about what does it look like for us to take spiritual next steps? That's a value we have here, actually. Relentlessly pursue next steps. And next steps can be anything. And I believe in the depths of my heart that every single one of us has a spiritual next step at all times. So these are the things that we're trying to do every week, no matter what we're teaching, no matter how we're talking about it. Sometimes we talk about the Old Testament, the New Testament, all sorts of different things, but we want to make sure that we're being correct and clear and compelling. And at the end of the day, our hope is that people fall more and more in love with Jesus. That's really what we're all about. And I assume there are people here today that haven't decided what they believe about Jesus. I'm so glad you're here. I also assume that there are people here today that have made that decision a long time ago, and we still have spiritual next steps. I'm so glad you're here too. And this is just another way of saying we want to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. We want people to fall more and more in love with Jesus. So we want to present God's word or scripture or the Bible. Those are all kind of meaning the same thing. We want to communicate those in a way, doesn't matter if you agree, it doesn't matter if you believe, we want it to be so compelling to go, there's something about this Jesus thing. That's it. Simple yes. Do we do it well all the time? Absolutely not. We don't. I don't always do a good job. We give it our best shot. That's another value we have here, but I know, I know for a fact I've had some stinkers. Thank you for not like shouting out like amen or here they are. But there are times when I kind of walk off the platform, I go missed it, completely missed it. But God is way bigger than that, way bigger than our effort. And I'm so thankful for that. And at the end of the day, every single week, we are trying to help people fall more and more in love with Jesus. We are helping people do what Mark 16, 15 says. We want to go into all the world, into our homes, into our families, into our own hearts and our own minds, and preach the good news of Jesus to everybody. That's ultimately what we want. Now, we want to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ is another way of saying this. And really the question that we really need to answer, we need to stop and answer, we haven't answered yet. It's the question that has to do with whatever it takes. Here's kind of the question. Why do we do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ? Why do we plan everything with our community in mind? Why do we try to use words that normal people use and sing songs that normal people can understand? And why do we, you know, have irresistible environments? Why do we care about making sure that kids or students want to participate in faith-filled things? Why do we think about the parking lot and the landscaping, which we do? Why do we think about the website or social media or our online campus experience? Why do we do any of that? 
Well, there are all ways to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. And we want to do whatever it takes to reach people right where they are. I don't want to really go to a church that doesn't want to do whatever it takes. I want to be a part of a church that seeks to love people because God loves us, to seeks to love ourselves just the way that God loves us, and is so compelled to do something about it that we are like, hey, I don't have it all figured out. I'm not comfortable with this, but I'm going to go and I'm going to do whatever it takes to preach the good news of Jesus. I'm going to go and do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. And I believe Jesus is so important that we have a responsibility to join in what God is doing in our communities. He's already working. He's already there. He doesn't need us to do anything. He just wants us to join in with him. I, I love that. He wants us to love our community because he does first. He wants us to love our neighbor because he does first. He wants us to love our friends and our family and ourselves because he does first. And here's kind of what I mean. Here's the answer to why are we a whatever-it-takes type of church. We're a whatever-it-takes type of church because God is a whatever-it-takes type of God. That's all over the Bible. You can see it over and over and over again, even some of the weird parts. You can see that God is a whatever-it-takes type of God. He did whatever it takes. This is the best example. He did whatever it takes for us, for me and you, when he sent Jesus to die on the cross. And there are two kind of whatever it takes verses. You've probably heard them before. Maybe one of us has even held it up in the end zone of a Super Bowl. First one, John 3.16. Heard that before? This is what it says. For this is how God loved the world. This is how he did whatever it takes. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him, not what they do, not that they have it all figured out, not that they understand all of it, just that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is a whatever it takes type of verse. It is the first verse that I ever had memorized in my life. And it is a whatever it takes type of verse. He asks us to do something with that whatever it takes. This is Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Fancy name for this is the Great Commission. This is what he says. Therefore, go, do something, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to what? To obey, to follow all the commands I have given you. And here's the richness. Here's the amazing part. We're not just doing this without them. See, I am with you always till the end of the age. That's why we do what we do. That's how we do what we do. We want everything we do to be because of God, not because of ourself, not to make our name great, not to make anything bigger or shinier or fancier. It is all because of God's love for us. I don't want to go to a church that doesn't want to do whatever it takes because God did whatever it takes for us. And everything we do at the Ridge is our humble attempt. We definitely don't get it all right. But it's our humble attempt to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. And we do whatever it takes because God saw fit to do whatever it takes for us. Now, Matthew 28, it talks about going. It talks about reaching. It also talks about baptizing people. Baptism is a way to publicly declare people's devotion to Jesus. And we even say we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit because it says to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And really, I think that this is is kind of what it's all about. 
One of the reasons I love Baptism Sundays here at the Ridge is it is this example right in front of our very eyes of God doing whatever it takes for us. We're a whatever-it-takes type of church because God is a whatever-it-takes type of God. So why do we do baptism? Why do we do it in the way that we do it? Well, we put together a video to talk about it. One of my favorite times around the Ridge is when someone is getting baptized. Anytime I see this tub that I'm standing in right now on the stage, I start to get excited. Baptisms at the Ridge are an amazing time to celebrate and to thank God for all the things he's doing in the lives of people in our community. It's a real-time example of seeing the results of doing whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. Now, what exactly is baptism? Why is it important? Why do we do it? Jesus says in Matthew 28, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We baptize people, which is literally dunking them under the water, because Jesus tells us to do it. He says baptize people who are his disciples, his devoted followers. Baptism is how a person makes public their faith and decision to be a follower of Jesus. It's this outward expression of this inward decision to be a devoted follower and everything that Jesus is all about. Baptism has this imagery to it. When you go down into the water, it represents being dead to sin, like laying something to rest. And when we come up out of the water, it represents this picture of being made completely new, all because of what Jesus did on the cross. Baptism is this picture of the death, burial, and resurrection, raising from the dead of Jesus. And baptism is an act of obedience. There's nothing magical about the water. The water doesn't save you, neither does being baptized. See, Jesus does that. Rather, baptism is a celebration of what Jesus did on the cross. It's a celebration that he rose again on the third day. It's a celebration that when we place our faith in him, we're turning from how we fall short of God's standard and accepting this undeserved grace from God. We're baptized out of obedience to Jesus, publicly declaring we belong to him as we celebrate what God has done and is doing in our lives. And today, we have people taking this spiritual next step of being baptized. So here, right in a moment, you'll join me in celebrating with them as they're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 